Casino. High Five Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at HighFiveCasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at HighTheNumberFiveCasino.com. I'm going out with the girls this weekend. Nails done, outfit stunner, and my skin. I know it's going to be glowing because I glammed up my shower routine with new Olay Indulgent Moisture Body Wash. It smells so luxurious and deeply moisturizes with its super rich, creamy lather that's bursting with vitamin B3 complex. So my skin glows and my confidence grows. Try new Olay Indulgent Moisture Body Wash for glowing skin in just 14 days. What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com consulting. IBM. Let's create. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. It Could Happen Here is the podcast that you're listening to right now. I'm Robert Evans. All right, that's that's my job done. Who what are we what are we doing? What are we doing today? Hey, what's up? Um, hey, Andrew. Andrew back at it again with another podcast. Mm-hmm. Um today we're doing something a little bit different from the previous episodes that I've done. We're having a bit more of an open discussion about a certain book that has been passed around for about a decade now and has polarized um, members of the <laughs> anarchist community, um, to put it that way. Um, today we'll be talking about the book, The Infamous uh, Polemic Desert by Anonymous. For those who are, you know, not aware of this extremely controversial text, uh, Desert is a nihilist anarchist text first published in 2011 that is mainly directed at other anarchists and seeks to address issues of climate collapse and revolution. It became somewhat of a meme to tell folks to read Desert. Um, I'm not sure when that was, but I just remember seeing it a lot. Um, I think in like 2020. Especially. Yeah, ar- around 2019, 2020, Read Desert became a meme. Yeah, yeah, all over Twitter and Instagram and Reddit. But, of course, being a thing that exists on the internet, people naturally became torn on the subject of it. And so there are a lot of perspectives and opinions and think pieces about desert, some more or less accurate than others. But we are here to discuss the book our personal experiences reading it, things we think it gets right and wrong, and what we could potentially learn going forward. So I would say the floor is yours, whoever wants to go first. I mean, I'm a huge fan of uh, 
the quote that the book takes its or that the that it takes its name from, which comes from you know Tacitus, who was a, a dude writing in the Roman period. Um, and the exact quote that it comes from is, and he and he's talking. Uh, Tacitus is talking about the Roman Empire. Robbers right. of the world, now that the earth is insufficient for their all-devastating hands, they probe even the sea. If their enemy is rich, they are greedy. If he is poor, they thirst for dominion. Neither east nor west has satisfied them. Alone of mankind, they are equally covetous of poverty and wealth. Robbery, slaughter, and plunder they falsely name empire. They make a desert, and they call it peace. Huh. Good-ass quote. It is, a, it, is, it is a solid quote. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I think people living in the shadows of every empire that's ever existed can identify with that quote. Um, it's it's a powerful kind of central idea to hang your uh, extended essay. I don't really know what the best term to refer to it is on. Yeah, it's, it's a um, it's a it's it's a it's a long essay. Yeah, it's a very long essay. Uh, as we talked about, kind of coming into this, it's extremely two thousand tens. So pre Arab <laughs> Spring, pre all the big uprisings and revolts we had in 2019 and 2020. Um, there's definitely uh, some stuff that it gets very right. And and I think kind of one of the ways in which it's had an impact on me is kind of uh, I've, I've thought about what happens to sort of culture as the result of this kind of Hollywood engine that is heavily tied up with the United States military industrial complex Um as a, a process of desertification of of ideas and the ability to like conceive of 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 new futures. Um, that said, uh, I I I don't really I haven't reread it in a very long time um, and haven't really felt um, called to in 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 many ways because I I do think I don't know I think there's an extent to which it's been kind of left behind. Um, with, yeah, yeah, some of the things that have happened since. I think yeah, yeah. Um I will say that as someone who really came into my own as an anarchist um in like 2020, early 2020, although I had identified with it before. Um when I had read the book, um I think it was in late 2020, early 20, late 2020, so when I read the book, first time I read it. And honestly, um there was some good some bad some some very outdated stuff and also some stuff that i don't know maybe the author felt it was like groundbreaking at the time but you know at this present stage just feels like common knowledge yeah sense you know i mean it was it was groundbreaking in a way for like climate realism right like this was this right. was written before, you know, this is written before Climate Leviathan. This was written before um, the Uninhabitable Earth. This was written before a lot of mm-hmm. kind of the texts that view climate change as an absolute. Like, this was written one year before Hyperobjects, which is really interesting, actually, because, you know, the whole premise of that book is that climate change is, is done. Like, it happened where, where like, there, there's no turning back the clock. And Desert was written even before that. Like, it was, it was one of the first things now it, of course it, it's much it's, it's much more niche but like it was if i if i look if i look back on books that have like impacted me it was, it was one of the first books like that came out like timeline wise to take climate changes like yeah it's there's no saving it like there's no living in the 2000s there's no living in the 90s again it's like things are the, like the world's not going to end but things are going to get worse right like and that and that is kind of a big a big part of the book because right. it's it's also it's also not pro collapse. Like it it doesn't take collapse as an absolute. It doesn't take it, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't subscribe to global collapse. And that's one um, of the misconceptions I think people have about the book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That they, they just assume it's like this collapse, doomerous, like misanthropic yeah, yeah. kind of text, but Which I really I, isn't. I did not read it as that. Like I I first read it around the same time you did. Um and I read it as a part of a lot of books I was reading to prep for uh, this show when we when we were writing our first five episodes on like on climate change and and, and like the crumbles. So I, I read it read it as a part of my kind of general research. And yeah, like at that point it was already kind of memified to be like, you know, like an anarcho nihilist, like doomer manifesto. And I read it and I'm like, that's 
not what it's saying at all. It's actually yeah. saying like yeah, the opposite yeah. when, of that. Once I had read it, I was like, I was really taken aback at how how easily um, popular perceptions of a piece of media could, um, I mean, honestly, corrupt it beyond recognition. Yeah. You know, like if people, a bunch of people are telling you, you know, this, that, or the other about a certain text <clears throat> or whatever, you know, it's kind of shake. It kind of shakes you up to like actually consume it for yourself and then realize, how did y'all get that? You yeah. Know? How did you is, read that out of it? It is really interesting because I'm not well, even sure if they did read out of it or if that was the perception they had going into it. So they read it through that lens and that lens basically, you know, changed the text in their head to fit that thing. Because yeah, it is really interesting how how it is so associated with like doomerism. Um, yet if you like engage in good faith with the text, it's very much not a doomer manifesto in any way although there are aspects of it that i am um that i think attitude wise that i am critical of but i think chris was gonna say something yeah so i was gonna say like i i really i i've always not liked this book like i read it back in i think 2017 2018 when it was first sort of like coming back yeah and i didn't like it then and i reread it this morning and i i like it even less now than i did then and and I think I think I, I I actually I actually okay so like I I think it's true that most of the text doesn't do the doomer thing, but I think I understand where people got it from because you know you have quotes in this like uh, here here's one yet I can already hear the accusations from my own camp accusations of deserting the cause of revolution deserting the struggle for another world such accusations are correct I would rejoin that such millenarian and progressive myths are at the core of the expansion of power. And this is this is what I really like. I I, th- I think from an ecological perspective, it's sort of okay. I strongly dislike desert as an anarchist text because I think that's just wrong. I think I think I think there's there, there's 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 an ingrained defeatism in it that is so strong that it 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 just it it it, it like warps the author's perception of the past. Like you, you you get these things where he's talking about these these counter. He's talking about like the you know the, the what we you call the classical anarchist movement from roughly like 1870 to really sort of ends with the defeat of the anarchists in Spain in like 1937 and and he you know they say things like from Spain pre 1936 to the Jewish anarchists in North America the illegalist of France and the Italian anarcho syndicalist of Argentina the inhabitants of anarchist counter societies were always by definition active minorities the minorities may have gotten larger in insurrectionary moments but they remained minorities always. And that's just wrong. It's just, it's factually wrong. Like these these movements were not minorities. Like the like the entire like the the like the the largest union in France was the CG like in in, in the early 1900s was the CG, was the the uh, UGC or the CGT that all all of the the French Spanish Portuguese country speaking countries have a have, they have one union that's called the UGC and one union that's called the CGT and I can never remember which one's which. But like, like that was that was the largest union in France, and it was a syndicalist union, right? Like it was it, it, like and there's you know the same thing with Argentina, right? For a like for a while was the largest union in Argentina, and it, I think, and this this is sort of my problem with this, which is that you know this is a person who's basically like they they talk about like they were born in the seventies and they've they they're writing this two thousand eleven in just the midst of the collapse of sort of like the complete total destruction of of the old anarchist movement, right? The anarchist movement that had been born out of sort of like the Zapatistas and uh, the, the anti-globalization movement. And they'd been beaten so badly that, you know, I mean, they, they were crushed. They were completely destroyed. And they've been beaten so badly that they, they, they can't, they, they, they literally can't imagine winning and think that like, like, revolution in general like is is essentially a secular is a secular theology they repeat this over and over and over again it's like revolution is a theology revolution is a myth this and it's like and this is this is something that's just a product of of defeat it's not a product of sort of taking seriously the conditions that are emerging around them and you know i was talking about this before the recording it's like right after this is written it's you get the movement of the squares and then you get occupy and it's like basically like, like every major city in the world goes into revolt. The revolts are anarchist inspired, and you know, and then desert like this is why desert vanishes for like six or seven years because desert is is a piece that's written like it's it's a piece that's that's only happens in a, in a very specific part of a revolutionary cycle, which is when all, all like every everything has been crushed, all resistance has been crushed, uh, everyone's losing hope, and then everyone starts reading desert again. And then the revolutions restart. 
and and at that point, like once 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 there's like you know two hundred thousand people in the streets again, like fighting the cops, it becomes less and less sort of like like that that part of its analysis becomes less and less relevant until you know inevitably everyone like there's there's a defeat and then everyone goes sort of like and th- I think I think that's why it has the Doomer rep because it's 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 the text that people read when you've been beaten in the streets. See, yeah, that's that's an interesting look at it because i mean i definitely agree with the revolution is an idea like is a myth thing like i i I, specifically within the context of the united states which i believe that's what the book's trying to mostly focus on they they do bring up other parts of the world and stuff um but it's definitely written by an a by an american like citizen That, that that is i mean i mean that that could actually be wrong um it 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 it, it may not be written by an American, but I, in terms of reading it, it is kind of through like a very like Western lens of like revolutions not happening here. Um, and I, I definitely sympathize and agree with that viewpoint. And I mean, if, if you're going to point at being like, it was 2011, then Occupy happened. I'm like, yeah, but Occupy didn't, but that, that also failed. Like every, every attempt has not succeeded in this country to, to get any kind of big meaningful change that we can push towards something that's like post-capitalist. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I do think I think it's 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 mostly targeting people specifically like communists, um, or Marxist Leninists who like are just waiting around for the revolution to happen and then don't do anything. Like that, right? That is well, no, th- but, that, that but, is but the I thing think, it's trying to point but, but, at. But 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 I think this is this is why it's a text that's like that's not good for the moment because our our problem isn't that like like the, the the problem right now isn't that there's no like there's no uprising on the horizon like everyone's been completely beaten down no one's ever going to go into the streets again our problem is that like there's just there's there's there, there's periodic uprisings everywhere and every single time everyone is caught off guard and every single time no one's able to actually sort of mobilize off of it and you know like tur- like like no 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 one's been able to like pivot it into something that's actually like transformative but but i but i think that that's a very different problem than the problem that desert is because desert has already abandoned the possibility that an uprising can win that's i mean it's i mean i I think i kind of have too yeah and then let's specifically abandon the idea of like global revolution right that is that is the thing they're specifically targeting they're saying smaller specific they're saying like smaller local things actually can succeed in, in a lot of ways but they're trying to tie this idea of global revolution as like a pacifying idea, right? Just waiting around for this to happen and tying that to this in at, at the time, much more niche idea. Now it's, now it's way more popular, but this idea of like global collapse and how people think if they can, people think believing in global collapse is smarter than believing in global revolution. They, they think it's more realistic, but the book's saying, no, this, this idea of global collapse actually falls under all the same issues that global revolution has. I think I'd want to, um, sort of comments here um with regard to like the defeatist sort of reading um in the text i understand that reading um i mean personally i distinguish between like defeatism and doomerism and i always think like my own personality and my own perspective kind of like inoculates me in a way from like adopting that kind of defeatist attitude towards um you know change but I don't think the book is entirely, um, you know, dismissive of like revolution. Um, it just, I think the main thrust of it is that it's critical of the idea of like one global revolution, one global collapse. What it really emphasizes is that, you know, climate change brings new possibilities for new anarchies, plural, to develop worldwide in response to changing circumstances. But at the same time, you know, in some areas, things are going to get worse. In some areas, things are going to get better. And it's not that really one broad brush could be applied to the entire earth. You know? Well, but I, I think, I mean, I think like this, this, this is another thing that they, they're really guilty of, especially like there, there's an entire section in here where they just keep writing about Africa. And it's like, well, wow. and then, and, you know, and they'll get pressed on it and they'll be like, no, 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 we mean sub-Saharan Africa. And it's like, what, what are you talking? Like they, 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 they won't name countries they won't name movements they won't name people it's just they'll just write something about the whole of sub-saharan africa and it's just like well i, I think that's evidence of the kind of, of what garrison was talking about this is yeah a person, and I think, right and this is something you see all over the place with people writing about 
politics, with people trying to write about like particularly revolutionary politics um, in a global sense. And I I think it's usually a mistake to do that um, for the reasons we've kind of discussed. Uh, Anytime I I see a left wing, even somebody who I think is generally on point, who starts talking about, for example, like extending their theories about revolutionary politics to places I happen to know just a little bit about, it's always very clear like, oh, you don't know shit about Syria. Oh, you don't know shit about Libya. Oh, you don't know shit about Angola. Like, um, and that's and that's like not even a moral failing. It's just that it's impo- it's it's impossible, really, to have in depth knowledge of like what's actually going on in those places and what's going on in those revolutions. It's why people default so much to the whole, well, whatever side the U.S. is on must be the bad side, and whatever side the Russians on must be the good side. It's the easiest way to look at that shit. Um, I don't. I, I think that's. I think that's a, a worthwhile critique to make, and it's a critique to make any time that it happens. Um, I, I agree with Garrison and with Andrew that I think the thing that is that Desert gets right, um, and the thing that I've seen in my own life is that like the opportunities we should be looking for are not suddenly that some sort of global revolution sweeps all of the things we don't like out of power and magically institutes uh, something better comprehensively across the globe. It's it's mo- it's room for little anarchies. It's what we saw in Northeast Syria, right, where the government pulls out and people have an opportunity to do something not perfect but better. And I, I think that is – that's kind of one of the things we talk about a lot on this show. That's why mutual aid is valuable. It's why building these connections are valuable. It's because um, as things crumble, there will be opportunities to – in local areas, piecemeal institute and and push th- for more just and and better uh, ways of living. Um, and I I think that if you're looking at kind of the broad level potentially optimistic point, it's that when you have enough of those and when they spread well enough and if communication is good enough, maybe the things that work will get adopted on a wider. Uh, scale and there's always the opportunity that when enough, when ideas spread far enough, they have a, a tipping point and and they go viral, you know, so to speak. But right. I, I I don't I I think that while there's a lot of specifics that Desert gets wrong, I I do think they were ahead of the curve in recognizing that, and I think it's it's a more productive way to look at the idea of revolutionary change than we're going to finally have 1917, but everywhere, you know. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. I won! Yahoo! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sort. High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone, goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again! Platoon, present cell phone. High Five! High Five! Casino! Casino! Win at highfivecasino.com! High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino! Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. What are you looking for in a new smart TV? 4K picture quality? High quality and immersive sound? A sleek design? All of those are givens, but only the new Roku Pro Series has all of those and the Roku Streaming Experience, an award-winning OS. Get fast, easy access to all your apps like iHeart, where you can stream all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts all day, and regular, all-inclusive trips to Roku City. The new Roku Pro Series, a smart TV built by the streaming pros. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. 
got to the Africa uh, chapter, the impression that I got while reading that chapter, uh, and I think the book itself references um, Samba, um, I got the impression that the author had read um, African Anarchism, History of a Movement by Sam Mba, and um, they were just kind of like inspired by that, I would say. Because as I do point out, they didn't like specify the specific cultures, um, which is an issue considering, you know, the tendency that Westerners have of, you know, painting Africa with this large brush as if it's, you know, all one way or the other. Um, but I think what we do see now um, is, you know, from the Horn of Africa to South Africa to Nigeria to, I mean, recently Sudan, I believe, um, there are Africans, small in number, organizing under the ban of anarchism. And there are anarchic elements that continue to persist on the continent. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's like, you know, I mean, one one of the things that they sort of got they got right was about how like this the sort of the, the the sort of renewal of the spread of urban anarchism. They're talking about like Chile in particular. They got right. Um, Indonesia, Bangladesh, sort of somewhat. But 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 I think I think there's there's another like my 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 biggest issue with them in terms of the way they think about ecological stuff. This comes. This is something I talk about with. Like they 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 have this thing where they think that forager societies are going like, okay they're 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 more careful than most people to frame it as like the foraging societies can be egalitarian, but I I think they 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 wind up talking about these sort of like, the way that sort of foraging nomadic societies sort of inherently defy the boundaries of the state and like that's true, but you can also have like nomadic foraging societies that have that are you know hereditary slave societies. And this is yeah. this is a problem because there's a there's a lot in here about that that that's about sort of like they're, they're you know they're they're taking it's a sort of like soft anti civ line is, yeah. right I was it about is, to say that there's, yeah like there's stuff about, it, has, it has a few lines where it does specifically say yeah. civilization is and, the cause of like I think it's like civilization is genocide um, which yeah you, and that's you can't, uh, you, silly. I mean, yeah, I mean, that is do, heavily influenced by civilizations commit ideas. genocide. Sure, yes, the, if you're do, saying that they do cause genocide, if you're if you're trying to make the case that it seems to be that civilizations, uh, well, I don't know, every civilization does not commit genocide, but no, but, but civilization gives you is a constant. The, yeah, civilization gives you the framework that makes genocide possible. Well, like I, intentionally, I, geno- like intentional genocide possible. I don't know that I would agree with that because I think you see examples of genocide from hunter-gatherer societies and from from so-called stateless societies. And that obviously documentation on that isn't as extensive because we weren't documenting things for a lot of it. But you do have examples from from what we know of like um, the Americas of there were genocides committed by societies we would call stateless. So I think I might argue that like genocide is a thing that human beings do in civilization yeah, because and, it allows us to do everything on a larger scale, allows us to do way better genocides. That's sure. definitely an argument. I, I think that's fair. I, I think I think my problem with it is, is that they're going back into this sort of like they're going back into the, the, the you know, there's this inherent binary between foragers and settled societies mm-hmm. and that, you know, and, and – Specifically, they think that the that these sort that the foragers' ideas are you know inevitably going to become egalitarian. It's like that's not true, and it's not true in ways that you you can see right now. In like like the, like there like the, there are lots of places right now where you can look at you know foraging societies that have incredibly right like there's there's like for example you you get sort of uh, you get the Fulani joining like right wing Islamist groups right mm-hmm. and that like that kind of thing I I think it it, it has a problem with it's the same thing as looking at indigenous societies and and seeing them all on one side of the the fight with with colonizing nations as opposed to, I'm reading a book about the history of the Mapuche right now which are historically like the indigenous group in Chile that resisted the law and the indigenous group really in, in you could argue in all of Latin America that resisted the longest and most effectively. But even then, when you look at like the campaigns of the Chilean government in the 1860s and 1880s, large, like significant chunks of the Mapuche sided with the government against other Mapuche. And like, that's the, like, 
it's it's always a mistake. I think this is a good one of the things that you get out of the dawn of everything. It's always a mistake to like yeah. look at any of these groups, hunter gatherers, stateless societies as like one thing or another. They're people, and some of them sucked. Uh, just like, yeah, they're it, yeah. Anyway, yeah. There's there is one thing that I wanted to sort of uh, push back against. Uh, Robert, you had said that genocide is a thing that humans do. Um, I don't mm-hmm. think I, I I agree with that assessment. Um, in the sense, or at least I'd rather, I would like to clarify, um, or give you an opportunity to clarify what you mean by that. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't know that it's just humans, but I think that genocide is a thing that as long as we have evidence in recorded history, it seems like we have done, not just against, uh, our, not just against other humans, but against other kind of hominid species. We have, we have examples of things that it seems fair to call genocide going back further than we have any kinds of written records. Um, you know, villages in the Balkans that were, you know, uh, burnt and people who, like groups of people, tribes and whatnot, who seem to have been killed in mass. And, you know, there's, there's other theories for some of that. Some of them may have been like people trying to stop a plague. We don't, a plague or whatever. Like I, th- there's not any kind of comprehensive solidity. But what we do know is that as long as we have documentations of humans doing things, we have documentations of things that we could call genocide. I see, I see. I think I'll have to look, look into that a bit more. But I appreciate the clarification. Yeah. Can, can, I, can I do a Balkans pivot? <laughs> Go ahead. Because there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a thing, I like, I, like, it genuinely disturbed me reading it in here about the Serbs during during the, the Bosnian genocide, where so they, they're they're quoting There's a lot uh, that's disturbing about that. Oh yeah, but <laughs> yeah. this is this is a I I uh yeah. okay. So they're they're doing a they're they're reading a quote from the book Gypsies Wars and other instances of the wild, where he's talking. This is about uh, the Bosnian genocide. How is this possible in Europe at the end of the 20th century? Was the question that played obsessively through my mind. What the war in former Yugoslavia forced us to suggest is the fact that people proved willing to make a conscious and active choice to embrace regression, barbarity, a return to the wildness. Take the Serb fighters who dreamed of a return to the Serbia of the epic poems where, quote, there was no electricity, no computers, when the Serbs were happy and had no cities, the breeding ground of all evil. And then this is this is the next uh, thing. That's, that's the text coming back and commenting on it. That some modern-day militias reflect romantic de- desires while shelling towns, massacring villages, and being in ter- killed in turn should neither surprise us nor necessarily fully invalidate romance. It does, however, suggest, along with the honest expression of joy and destruction mouthed by some soldiers in every war as well as many anarchists, that there is a coupling of some sort between a generalized urge to destroy and a disgust at a complex human society. And there's, there's, there's another part um, slightly later on where they're talking about... Uh, ethnic diversity and autonomy will often emerge both from mutual aid and community and animosity between communities. I like to think, and our histories back this up, that self-identified anarchists will never inflict such pain as Serb nationalist militias, an example I chose purposely for the repugnance. But we should admit that our wish to fuck shit up is partly driven by the same urge to civilizational dismemberment that can be found in many interethnic conflicts and in the minds of fighters more generally. And I, I, I think that's fucked. I, I think that's, that's true. Just, that's no, just that's, wrong. I don't, I don't no, know that line. No, no, I, it's, no. It's, I think there's commenting on a specific type of anarchist literature, which is like the make total destroy thing. And yeah, I've definitely, I have observed that in people, the same, the same urge that you're, you're so broken down by everything that the only urge that is the only creative urge you have is to destroy the things around you. I've yeah, I've seen that's... that. I I don't think they're necessarily celebrating that, but they're pointing out that that urge can be there. What I, what I think they get really wrong here is that I don't think that's the urge that that is is like that. That's when when, when you're dealing with interethnic conflict and when you're dealing with genocide. I don't think that's the urge that's going on. It's, especially you know, especially with the Serbs, because the the Serbs like you know okay, like when when an anarchist is doing mate total destroy right. They're you know they're. Like there's 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 a very specific set of things they're attacking, or they're you know they're attacking building, they're attacking the physical infrastructure of the world. When the Serbs are doing the Bosnian genocide, like they have a very specific thing they're doing, which is killing Bosnian Muslims, and I, and I think that's an extremely different urge than the sort of like I I don't I don't think that's about sort of what it's civilizational dismemberment or whatever. That's about Islamophobia and genocide, is, and, I, and I think that's hmm. a different. I I think. 
the genocidal impulse is a i think a very different one than the sort of the like the impulse to break the society that has harmed you yeah i, I think it's important to draw a distinction between you can kill a shitload of people without it being a genocide um and i i think and it's also one of those things i think sometimes why people i i think why there's hesitation to see certain acts in early history as genocide is that they're not as complete as modern genocide. But but what a genocide really is, and I think it's important to lay this out, it's not necessarily killing every member of an ethnic group or a religious group or whatever kind of community. Um, it is it's, stopping their ability to propagate and continue themselves. That's why things like destroying churches and destroying it's graveyards like a cultural and historical markers yeah. are part of genocide. And it's also why a lot of genocides, they left the women and children alive. They would kill all the men and they would take the women in and they would breed with them. They might kill the kids sometimes, but it was this – the goal was not necessarily we need to kill all of you. It's we want to kill this this culture, this population. Um, I, and I think the – I, I don't – yeah. I think the parallel he's trying to make here, or they or she, um, yeah. is that uh, that like that type of like genocidal cultural destruction is targeted against spe specific groups. The mm -hmm. difference here is with this type, like you know, he's he's writing this for other anarchists. He's pointing out like our destructive urge, our cultural urge, isn't even for a specific group. It's just for everything, and that can be unhealthy sometimes sometimes you th there's ways to do make total destroy that's totally fine but that can go to unhealthy places now he's not equating like ethnic cleansing with that he's like they are like they, they are different but when when your total destroy urge is against all of culture then yeah that that can like that's something you should probably ponder yeah, I mean, that's definitely, I, I would agree that that's a thing that's potentially problematic, right? Like with a number of different desires, uh, there's a way in which that can lead to people doing really fucked up things. Yeah, it's, it's, like, um, it's like it's pointing out the that type of accelerationism, not specific yeah. to ideology, but just like accelerationism in general. I mean, I, I think when I when I talk about things like the, the fact that, because not every culture commits genocides, not every civil, civilization does. Um, and throughout history, there have been more that found the idea repugnant than found the idea acceptable. Um, but it is really a consistent thing in history. And I think the lesson with that isn't necessarily that everything could end in genocide. So I, I don't think the lesson is necessarily like, oh, you should look at make total destroy as if, you know, the, the, the this kind of trend in anarchist thought could lead to genocide. It's that people in groups are nearly always capable of killing a shitload of other people for a variety of reasons if applied in the proper ways. And so those of us who seek mass movement should always be conscious of that because human beings in large groups can do wonderful things, but there's a long history of them doing really fucked up shit, sometimes in ways that surprise the people that got the large group of human beings together in the first place. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. I won! Yahoo! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sort. High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone, goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again! Platoon, present cell phone. High Five! High Five! Casino! Casino! Win at highfivecasino.com! High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino! Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. What are you looking for in a new smart TV? 4K picture quality? High quality and immersive sound? A sleek design? All of those are givens, but only the new Roku Pro Series has all of those and the Roku Streaming Experience, an award-winning OS. Get fast, easy access to all your apps like iHeart, where you can stream all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts all day, and regular, all-inclusive trips to Roku City. The new Roku Pro Series, a smart TV built by the streaming pros. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. 
Just log into your BetMGM Sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. The other thing I wanted to bring up is kind of more circling back to like the Doomer kind of idea. Um, because yeah, a big, a big part of the book is trying purposely is to disillusion people with this idea of global revolution and dissolution people with the idea that we can save the earth because we can't. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's a big thing. And for, I think, I think for some people, if you stop right there and you, that's how you end that thought. Yes, that does lead to doomerism, obviously like that, that is, that is, but the books, the book doesn't stop there. The book continues on from there. Now they continue on from a nihilistic standpoint. I'm not a nihilist. I prefer absurdism. I prefer discordianism, but those two things are, pretty comp like they're they are more similar than not um is that you can be disillusioned with global revolution and the idea to save the earth but that should not change what we do or how we feel or operate as anarchists it's not that we should be disillusioned and then do nothing and step aside so we should be disillusioned and then find that disillusionment itself a form of liberation like the freeing nature of being free from this idea of revolution is that like, no, we are living our lives now. Don't live for a revolution. Live your life now and do things now because that's what you actually have. So it's like that type of nihilistic, absurdist, discordian well, no, thing. Like, this is this is this is this is where I come back to having problems with it again, because this this is literally just there is no alternative except it's it's it feels yes. with you anarchy yeah and, and that's it's, wrong. it's d do anarchy that's, well, i mean i no, no, but, no, but, but, like, but that's, that's how i but, live like that's yeah, but, like, that is, I, I, think, <laughs> like, I think i think this is a bad i think that's a bad plan and i, and I think if, if you look if you look at what happens with because we, we you know this this was the thing that was really big in the american anarchist movement like in you know from about 2017 like to roughly now and it's like a lot yeah, of those like, people I, were in the 2020 uprising too yeah but, but also, also but, that like, didn't I, succeed like, like that like not no, really but i think like like this is like I I think I think this is like like one of the reasons it didn't work, work like okay this is like the, the the thing that's important one of the things that's important about revolutions even when they don't succeed is that for a very brief window you actually can like it, it becomes it becomes possible to imagine another world yes and what 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 this entire thing is saying is don't do that Stop. that's not like, that's not no that's no not that's, that's that's that when, is not when, what it's yeah, saying it, it is absolutely not this is no 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 no, no. okay can, can I can I can I finish <laughs> yeah, this sentence yeah like yeah. Okay, so what 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 I'm saying here is that what what they've abandoned, right? The 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 thing that they're giving up with when they when they give up revolution when they're like this is a progressive myth, this is like uh theology. What what they've abandoned completely is our human capacity to actually shape a different world. What they're arguing is that the, like the 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 you know, it's, it's essentially the the combination of of ecological and social forces are strong enough that humans humans no longer have the capacity to reshape the world into a way that is different than this and that this is now the eternal present and you know and, and yeah in, in, inside of the eternal present they're saying you should be fighting for the same things you should be fighting for like you know you should you should be in in, in your own sort of local domain you should be like i mean there, there are some of the recommendations are wild like i I, th I think i think their conservation stuff is sketchy given i mean it is it doesn't but it like, doesn't apply to an eternal present though like they lay out like the world is is changing a lot and will for the next 50 years like there will be massive changes in how things are set up in the next like in the next century and we need to take advantage of that we need to turn those liabilities into assets and start making those little anarchies like that that, that is what it's trying to do and i would add as well that as it points out, the situations in Basingstoke and Bangladesh are different in the present and will be in the future. Mm -hmm. You know, I, what I think is is trying to be sort of uh, drilled in here is that, at least in the text and how I read it, um, is that yes, things will be different in different parts of the world, and 
probably maybe there won't be this, you know, or as the author says, there won't be, you know, this one global revolution. But at the end of the day, um, I think what it's trying to emphasize is that we don't have the structures. And I think what part of what it's trying to emphasize is that we don't have the structures in place right now to launch an insurrection we can meaningfully defend. And so that is the sort of thing we should be focusing on in the yeah, end but, now. But, but, they, but, they, but this, and this, this, this is going back to my problem with it. Going, going back to the thing with the, they, they go on the rants about how anarchists are like a, a permanent cultural majority and will never become a majority is that even even in situations where people had that capacity and did it, they go back, they they project back onto it and go, no, 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 they couldn't have done that. Like it's it, it's not about it's 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 they they have a belief, and this is something that they do explicitly say that that anarchist will always be a permanent minority, right? There there will always be an active but permanent minority, and that is the like like that specifically, I think, is just a, a an actual rejection of the belief that we collectively can make a better future. Because if, if, if you think that our ideas that, you know, if being free, right. If, if a society is mutually, if you think that that is permanently always going to be a minority, you are, you know, you, you are condemning, you're condemning the future to like, the people who don't believe that. And, and I, I, I understand why, especially if, you know, if, 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 if the only thing you've ever known is 50 years of when the neoliberals actually did the thing, right? They took over the entire world, restructured the entire world economy, seized every government. Like, if, if, if that's what you lived through, I understand why you would think that. But I, I think the fact that it was possible to do it from the other direction is in some ways a sense that, like, yeah, we could do it too. I don't know. Sorry, I, w- I will stop harping on this one specific point. It just extremely annoys me. I think it's not giving up the idea that the world can be better it's that like we don't need to have the majority of people be anarchists to make the world better. We can still spread our own anarchies and people don't need to self-subscribe as anarchists. But as long as we start building those systems in the places around us, people will start using them and people might start like living them out, even if they don't call themselves anarchists, right? Like the majority of people will probably prefer some type of, some t- type of state or government, right? You can even look at Rojava and be like, yeah, it still is state-ish in some ways but some ways not right like yeah it's going we're not going to get an anarchist world that's not going to happen but we can make it better through the lens of anarchy and i think that's what it's kind of trying to say yeah i i I I, think it's it's worth acknowledging that like yeah the majority of people are never going to be what anarchists are right now which is people who comprehensively reject the systems they live in most people are always going to think more like well, I want to be comfortable. I want to. I, I support changes, kind of that that you know fix this thing that I've noticed is a problem or that thing. Most people are never going to comprehensively reject the system, but I do have hope that in time and given, you know, space to build things and show people other ways and improve life for people, you can get to a point where most people believe a lot of the things that I think are important. Yeah, um, and I, I think, think that's, that's what's um, time. I think I that's care what they call themselves. Sorry. I think that's what the uh, specifists um, yeah. tend to advocate for in terms of through the process of social insertion in these larger movements, mm-hmm. generalizing the ideas of anarchist ideas as a whole, making them more common throughout the population. It's not only trying to get each and every person in the world to self-identify as an anarchist communist or whatever. It's more so that you're trying to spread these ideas to the point where they are I, I suppose the the common sentiment, the popular will. Yeah, like I, it's it's um that's like the point of culture jamming and 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 shit like that. Like it's the the idea that like it doesn't so much matter. Like 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 what matters is inserting the things you think are important into the culture and getting people to identify with them and understand them. The the terms that they specifically use aren't aren't as important. Like that that's not really what matters. Well, okay, I I don't think they're arguing that though, because I mean, you, you, like they have lines like this: uh, "We cannot, however, remake the entire world. There are not enough of us. There never will be." But then, you know, they, like they 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 specifically talk about the oh well, they don't have to all be anarchists, and you know, I mean, here, here's their line: "There is unfortunately little little evidence from history that the working class, never mind anyone else, is intrinsically predisposed to libertarian or ecological revolution. Thousands of years of authoritarian socialization favor the jackboot." Neither we nor anyone else could create a libertarian or global 
or ecological global future by expanding social movements. Further, Glo there is no reason to think that in the absence of such a vast expanse, a global transformation congruent to our desires will ever happen. I think like, I think think the keyword there is global. Like, yeah, that's they're trying to write about that, and it's important. Like, they're writing this specifically for anarchists who are kind of already nihilistic, kind of already anti-Sith, right? They, they are writing this for other anarchists. That this isn't a book to radicalize a normie or a communist. This yeah, is written I, I by anarchists a... for other anarchists to be like, hey, you already kind of think the world's kind of going to shit. Here's a way that we can still do things despite the world being shitty. Because once you're once you're disillusioned, it's hard to be illusioned again. Like it's it's hard. once you give up on the idea of global revolution, once you give up on the idea of global collapse, it's hard to re-enter those. Even if you see things happening, the like there can still be uprisings and revolts, absolutely. But there is a, a distinction of between uprisings and revolts and like a global revolution, right? And speci specifically, like the Marxist-Leninist sense. And I'd also like to um, continue. The paragraph you're reading from there, we had said that as anarchists, we he had said that, or they had said that as anarchists, we are not the seed of the future society in the shell of the old, but merely one of many elements from which the future is forming. That's okay. When faced with such scale and complexity, there is value in non-civile humility, even for insurgents. Yeah, but this is this is just this is just giving up. This is this is the old. Uh, it's too complicated. It's too like, and like I I think I don't know like. It's 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 giving up on, it's giving up on trying to do any kind of of on on like humans as a whole trying to do any kind of large scale, like, you know, like it, trying to do I, any I, large I scale transformation of what the society. I disagree. Is. To continue that that quote, to give up hope for a global anarchist revolution is not to resign oneself to anarchy, remaining an eternal protest. Seaweed puts it well: revolution is not everywhere or nowhere. Any bioregion can be liberated through a succession of events and strategies based on the conditions unique to it, mostly as the grip of civilization in that area weakens through its own volition or through the efforts of its inhabitants. Civilization didn't succeed ever at once, and so its undoing might only occur to varying degrees in different places at different times. Even if an area is seemingly fully under the control of authority, there are always places to go, to live in, to love in, and to resist from, and we can extend those spaces. The global situation may seem beyond us, but the local never is. And I, I think that's beautiful. I think that's like a, that is one of the things that keeps me alive is ideas like that, honestly. And at the same time, I also hold the opinion that none of us, including this author, is a fortune teller. You know, the desert's picture of the future is not the only possibility, you know? And I think in a lot of ways, in a lot, in a lot of ways, I believe that they can and have already been proven wrong, you know? Like, and there's an issue that I really take a lot of contention with the book. Part of the book that really pisses me off is the sort of persistence of the overpopulation myth. Yeah, that was And awesome. I don't remember it being yeah. so consistent since I reread it um, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And also this sort of nonchalance the author seems to have about, like, mass die-offs and that kind of thing. You know, I think yeah. that's... That's very troubling to me. That's very specific to its t a type of anti-civ literature that's like, we view civilization is going to progress towards genocide anyway. And the way to actually avoid more deaths is to kind of help the collapse along because that'll end civilization quicker. So therefore, less people, less people will be born, so less people will have to die. So that's the type of thinking they have. I don't necessarily agree with that. Um necessarily but like yeah that is that is very typical of this type of literature so again because it, it is written mostly for other anti-civ anarchists but like yeah it, it, it's not like pro-genocide it's saying genocide will happen so the way to make less of it is to actually kind of slowly start kind of help helping the crumbles along essentially and while still you know making people's lives better in your immediate community like with that with that very local focus so again, not not saying I necessarily agree with that, but that's the that's the type of thought it's engaging with. I mean, I I, th I think that's true of some of it, but there is definitely a lot of like panic about there's going to be nine billion people, and 
like population growth. Yes, is all, like, of, all of like, all of all the overpopulation yeah. stuff's a little iffy. You know, there is yeah, a, there's a discussion to have on carrying capacity, but we are not there yet. We right now we way overproduce for the, yeah, for the, yeah. for the amount of people we have. Yeah, that and that I don't know. That also frustrated me immensely. They're like, yeah, we we have because they're, they're talking about carrying capacity, right? But they're like, oh, we already can't. We have a billion people going hungry, and it's like, yeah, but that's not about the carrying capacity. That's just a distribution. That's about problem. that's about distribution. Like, which is literally which, distribution. That and that idea gained more prevalence after Desert was written. We kind of more understood, like like culturally, that it is a distribution issue, not necessarily a production issue. Now we do overproduce, right? Because and the amount of production we have contributes yeah. to stuff like climate change, and that is bad. So we should tone down production. But we should make ways that it's more sustainable and ecological. Um, yeah, I, that, I think that does point towards the dated nature of the text. I think also my my last like thing with it is I I think I think it it, it could have benefited a lot from like in an in indigenous stewardship perspective because the way it thinks yeah. about it's particularly like the way it thinks about wildness versus conservation is just very messy and. Yep. Yeah, it it falls it falls it 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 does a better job of it than some other anti-civ things that I've seen, but it yes. definitely falls into the like trap of like here is the wild, and then any attempt to manage it is, uh, you know, is 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 civilization, and you need to go back to the wild, and it's like, yes. well, this it is does... already stewarded and managed. Yeah, yeah, it it that is the um, one. Yeah, it, it it does fall on that slope of like nature being an other that is sacred which isn't necessarily a great idea nor is it really true yeah this is um, very 2010 <laughs> very two, very 2010 yeah yeah right so i think the the book is critical of conservation and sort of that sort of binary way and i agree that an indigenous stewardship perspective was sorely needed but at the same time i do think that the way that the book criticizes um or rather just points out um, the issue of conservation may, may have been on may still be new for some people. You know, the idea that these sorts of government uh, conservation projects, which sort of preside over this the sort of static vision of nature and ecology and stuff that is supposedly threatened by humanity. Um, I think criticizing that approach to, Nature is good. I mean, this sort of romanticization of the wild that is very typical of anti-civ text and thought um, is very much anti-civ. But I do believe that people should look uh, or should rather resist the sort of conservation impulse. As I was rereading it, a couple weeks ago. I wanted to know um, what you guys thought of the section of the book that speaks of the different modern, different, the, the idea of fourth and fifth generation war. Oh boy. That's, uh, <laughs> um, I've heard that that has been um, sort of a controversial approach to analyzing conflict. So I, Figured out as you have been in, you know, actual war zones, Robert, that you might have a thing or two to say. Um, I mean, it's the kind of thing that we should probably cover in in detail on, um, because this is a lot of like William Lind stuff. I think he's the guy who came up with the idea of like fourth generation war at least, least, and it's um, it's basically the it's the idea that warfare um today is conducted through a lot of stuff that's not conventional weaponry, right? So stuff like um like 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 putting bot networks together to like uh push social division, you know, through um uh, social media, um or carrying out cyber attacks on infrastructure, disinformation. Um, all of that kind of stuff, uh, which is, I, I, I think, accurate. I've been reporting on what you could call fifth-generation warfare since um, 2014. Um, I think it's, I think it, to the extent that it's relevant here, I think one thing that people on the left need to acknowledge is that they have um, been blindsided by the eff- effectiveness that the far right has adapted to um, the key components of this kind of warfare. Uh, and, and I think nothing is more key 
than social engineering and disinformation. Um, and they've been much more successful at it over the last, really since 2015 in particular, um, than the left has by yeah. basically everywhere. <laughs> every um, single, and yeah. And by, I think, every single measure of, of success. And I, I think this is something we should save in, in depth for a, another day. Um, but I, I think that it is worth acknowledging. Th- this is, and I, I also think that, and this is again part of a, a bigger conversation. But we talk about the concept of like culture jamming when we talk about like Operation Mindfuck, you know, which is Discordian idea, um, all of which you can see as kind of pre- predecessors to the concepts of fifth generation warfare. I think there's a strong argument to be made that those efforts by leftists in the 80s and 90s in particular actually contributed to the substantial right wing victories that we're seeing right now in this space. Um, and I, I think maybe it's. I think there's a number of reasons for that, um, including some, to some extent, the idea of arrogance that um, that what that we were just too smart, that they were never going to figure out how to utilize the same means we had, or to kind of judo like take the momentum for that and spin it around on us. But they mm. were, and they did, and um, yeah, that'll that'll lead into another that's, episode. We'll yeah, have to talk about this in more detail. Yeah. <laughs> that's something uh, Grant Morrison actually talks a lot about yeah. in regards to Discordianism and this type of how. How you know he used to work for a company called Disinformation back when Disinformation was a joke, yeah right? yeah and yeah. and now it's like one of the leading causes of mass death in the world right yeah so he that is something that Morrison talks about a lot in terms of how they did have that arrogance and now the same forces that they used in hopes of making the world better are now being used to regress the world and make it worse yeah yeah. Yeah, I had a big copy of Disinformation on my coffee table when I was 19. I just ordered one. <laughs> oh, good. There's some fun essays in there, Garrison. There, sh- there sure is. <laughs> um, all right, that'll probably... I mean, did you have yeah. more to say on that, Andrew? Yeah. I just wanted to say that, you know, regardless of the uncertain future, um, regardless of your stance on Desert's message, however flawed... Um, here now, as the minor birds in Aldous Huxley's island so often repeat, um, we can and should pay attention to what we can do to support ourselves for whatever outcome, you know, yeah. through, you know, projects within the spaces we inhabit. I believe that anarchism can be the seed of the new world. I, I do believe that we have an impact, a huge impact on society and on politics and I believe there are still many possibilities for liberty still. Yeah, I, I do as well. I think that acknowledging, you know, failures both of, of, of you know, ideas and of, of methods doesn't mean um, giving up hope or, or ignoring the successes of, of those same things, which, which were, are also present. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Stay optimistic. Read something. Uh, doesn't have to be a desert, but just go go read a thing. Go read. Read a thing the back of and, your shampoo uh, bottle. Yeah, back of your shampoo <laughs> bottle, especially if it's Doctor Bronner's. A lot of good stuff in there. Um, all right, that's gonna do it for us this week. Take care. Yeah, for today at least. It could happen here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. The following is a high-five moment from highfivecasino.com. I won! Yahoo! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sarge, High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone. goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again. Platoon, present cell phone. High Five. High Five. Casino. Casino. Win at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to have supervision, enhanced hearing, extraordinary reflexes, to be, dare we say, superhuman? Well, Roku's new Pro Series TV 
can't do any of that for you. But with a 4K screen, side-firing speakers, and a blazing fast refresh rate, it'll sure feel like it. Elevate your entertainment using all your favorite apps like iHeart and play all your music, radio, and podcasts with the new Roku Pro series. Your senses aren't better. Your TV is. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 